I had what I consider to be a very religious experience. I took LSD, a full dose of LSD, and later, another time, I took a smaller dose. And I learned a lot of things, like patience, understanding. I can't teach you or tell you what I learned from taking it, but I consider it a very religious experience. Brian Wilson, 1966. Wilson's experience with psychedelics played a heavy role in the music he would produce afterwards, including the Beach Boys' 11th studio album, Pet Sounds. Despite the album being released under the Beach Boys' name, the album is often considered a Brian Wilson solo project, as the music was written and recorded while the rest of the Beach Boys were on tour, as Wilson had stopped touring to focus on songwriting and music production. The Beach Boys' initial response to what Wilson had created were negative, particularly with the song then titled, Hang On To Your Ego. Which focused on LSD culture. Mike Love called the piece, quote, too much of a doper song. And so Wilson allowed Love to revise some of the lyrics, effectively changing the title of the song with it. That's right, this week on Cover Me, we're talking the Beach Boys, I Know There's an Answer. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out what the answer is. And sometimes compares it against itself. That's right, to find out which is the better lyrics. And I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my egoic co-host. Egotistical? Egotistical, that's what you would call it. (laughs) Alex Mildenberger. Um, I have a very strong control of my emotions. That's why I'm egotistical. Mm. That's not a bad thing, necessarily. Uh, no, I suppose not. It's not necessarily true, though. Are you an emotional guy? Are you a moody guy? Mm. I am a moody guy. Okay. Um, I pretend not to be, but then I miss, like, an hour of sleep in a day, and I'm like, fuck everything. Everything sucks. I hate it. (laughs) So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a knife's edge some days. But. Yeah, I hear you, man. So, Alex, we're talking about... I yeah, know we're talking about actual music things. By the Beach Boys. Today. Um, and that's because this is part of our, our winter month, December. So, you know how there's Christmas in July? This is summer in December. That's better than what I was going to say. I was going to say this is Christmas in July and December. Christmas in July and December. Yeah, all right. Okay. I'm into it. So that's why we're talking about this. Um, Alex, how familiar were you with this song before this week? Not. I, mm. I've, I've, lo- I've gone, dug into Pet Sounds like a bit just because right. I was shocked when someone was like, you know, the most influential bands from the 60s, like the Beach Boys. And I was like, you mean the fucking surfing guys? They surfed <laughs> the USA and Kokomo or whatever, but apparently they're a big deal. And I was yeah. very surprised to learn that. Although, like yeah. you said, this is maybe more of just like Brian Wilson. This is thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was my familiarity. I like, I knew some of the album, but definitely not this song. Uh, what about you, man? Um, so it was weird for me. 
So I'm familiar with the uh, the solo project, Black Francis's solo project, Frank Black. Right. And so I heard the song Hang On To Your Ego. I knew this. And, like, I have dipped into Pet Sounds occasionally, but I think I didn't really process, like, any of the songs individually. Right. Which might speak to, because uh, Brian Wilson said his goal was to create, quote, the greatest rock album ever made with a co- as a cohesive work with no filler tracks. It is definitely, there's definitely a lot of, I mean, it has that album thing of, like, if you're not paying attention, the sound is very consistent mm-hmm. throughout, and it's got that sort of mood. Yeah, so the consistency of the piece maybe led me to not notice individual tracks, but I was at a restaurant like a, a couple weeks back and I heard the the chorus of this I know there's an answer. Right. And I was like, why the fuck does this sound like hang on to your ego? Like, I'm like exactly. Yeah, and I it was Amazing. just like a whisper, so I couldn't really hear the lyrics, but I could tell they weren't the same. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? And so I like googled it and I was like, oh shit, it's a Beach Boys song originally. <laughs> And yeah, so it just like blew my mind that because I, I knew it as this sort of like more like punk grunge kind of anthem. And here we are discussing it for that very reason. Yeah. Um, I figured out where my notifications were coming from. It was you messaging me to ask where I was. Mm. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back on track. So... Yeah, there's two versions of this song. Mm-hmm. Um with the like original demo sort of version on that's included with like bonus tracks or whatever being hang on to your ego. Um Yeah. Did you listen I also listened to uh there was a YouTube video that was talking about like the recording process and it had a lot of like just them, their voices in the studio, and Brian Wilson being like, "All right, uh, play a little, just really wail on that harmonica, just just really wail on it." And uh, it was called "Let Go of Your Ego." Mm. So I guess my question is: Here we're talking about like the ego, in reference to sort of the the uh, what's his name Freudian model of like the consciousness, but not just the consciousness, but like the human mind of yeah. the ego the id and the superego where as i understand the id is like very like basic or base like desires and uh instincts and stuff uh, mm-hmm. that is sort of your makeup part of your mind uh and push uh, influence what you do but it is ultimately sort of the ego that has that consciousness and and control uh over that uh more or less or or it's yeah. the job of the ego to to um take that sort of information in to account when making decisions combined with the yeah. super ego which is the thing that makes you feel bad about yourself yeah it's kind of more concerned with like societal perceptions and like but my understanding again i just like read a quick article or two about it so the way it said it was like the superego comes from, like, your parents because, you know, it's Freud, so he like to talk about parents because mm-hmm. he probably wanted to fuck his mom. Um, so it was like, if you feel guilt because of what your parents taught you, so that's your superego or whatever. 
Yeah, and I think that factor expands outwards to what we establish as acceptable in society. It's, I took a psychology class in high okay, school. Okay, you probably have a little bit more ago. background on this than I do. Um, other than, you know, I guess you technically have one of these, even though they're just abstract concepts. But mm-hmm. basically, um, this is talking about the concept of, like, losing the ego, which is sort of losing your sense of self. Yeah, and, ego and death is a common part, uh, something often sought after in, like, acid culture and in uh, psychonaut culture. People are always like, oh, man, I took some LSD and I had ego death, and now I, I feel like I understand things a lot more. People are always either worried that ego death is going to, you know, like, mentally harm them, or they see it as this, uh, like, great form of enlightenment. Yeah, it did seem to be sort of two sides of that and and that was kind of my question was there's a version of the song called hang on to your ego and there's a version of the song called let go of your ego so mm-hmm. which one is desirable but maybe there is no answer yeah it's uh not easy to find and so yeah there, that this uh, whole idea we're talking about all this kind of essentially pseudoscience a lot of what freud has said people have kind of thrown out the window anyway sure but like uh, it's an interesting way to think about i think your consciousness although yeah it, it's still just abstract and there's no like part of your brain that is your ego mm-hmm. but it's an interesting idea i think and so, yeah, that's uh, what what the Beach Boys struggled with. And uh, I have a quote from somebody here. Um, here, I'll start with the Mike Love quote. He right. says, uh, I was aware that Brian was beginning to experiment with LSD and other psychedelics. The prevailing drug jargon at the time had it that doses of LSD would shatter your ego as if that were a positive thing. I wasn't interested in taking acid or getting rid of my ego. And uh, let me see this. Oh, fuck, I forgot to write down who this was by. But they said Brian was very concerned. He wanted to know what we thought about it. To be honest, I don't even think we knew what an ego was. <laughs> and that's so like like we've kind of said this is sort of out of your expectation of fucking California girls, the Beach Boys. Yeah, like, absolutely. Surfing USA. And it seems to be that, like, Wilson's topic, like, subject matter was, like, outside of the the knowledge of his bandmates at the time. Yeah, and the demo, the, like, video I was watching with all those, like, the demo stuff, I'm pretty sure that the other Beach Boys were not present at all. It was just Brian mm-hmm. Wilson and a bunch of studio musicians. So it, it was very odd to think of it that way as as basically, yeah, like, Brian Wilson's solo project. Because yeah. that's... I. I it really was that in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. And those studio musicians, to be clear, were the Wrecking Crew, which are uh, like a famous group of L.A. session musicians um, who've been on just like a gajillion pop hits. They were Phil Spector's house band. Oh. And uh, this is another part. This is also important because when we talk about the instrumentation of not only this song, but the entire Pet Sounds album that uses what Phil Spector called the Wall of Sound. Right, where he would have uh, not only like your regular instruments, but a lot of like sort of like weird instruments, and he would have them. He would have several instruments play the same riff, and then layer those on top of each other to make the essentially to make the source of that sound indistinguishable to the ear. You wouldn't be able to listen to it and say, "Oh, that's a piano," or "Oh, that's a guitar," because right. it'd be like a guitar, a mandolin, a banjo layered on top of one another, playing the same thing, and you're like, "That's something." And it sounds interesting. Yeah, and that's definitely something you get a lot in, uh, the, the, yeah, his his stuff, and and it even we're gonna see it in in this song for sure. 
for sure. Yeah. So that's and the Wrecking Crew um, consists of one of the members. The guy who plays the banjo on this is Glenn Campbell, who also briefly replaced uh, Brian Wilson as one of the Beach Boys while touring. And he, we've talked about him on a previous episode because he does. I think he did a cover. He also does the song Wichita Line Man, which is sampled in a Gorillaz track. Right. It's a very, it's a recognizable name. Is he like a country artist? Yes, he is. Yeah. So not someone I would necessarily know, but certainly someone I've heard of. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I wrote down here. Oh, uh, yeah. So Zippity Doodah, Be My Baby by the Ronettes, I Get Around by the Beach Boys, I Got You, Babe, Sonny, Sonny and Cher, or just a, like a few, a very small selection of Wrecking Crew songs. Okay. Zippity Doodah, like a cover of that? Um, I don't I think it would have know. to be. I think the original was older, right? Because isn't that from right. like Song of the South or whatever? Right. Probably. Anyway, there's like a Peter, Paul, and Mary version or something like that. It might not mm-hmm. have been that. I'm pretty sure there was a Sharon, Lois, and Bram version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the one I know. Does. Bobby Socks and the Blue Jeans. Oh, okay. Then I have no idea who that is. Yeah, let's. They do these guys do so fucking many. It's just like Wikipedia just has selected recordings. Uh, <laughs> Help me, Rhonda by the Beach Boys, Mister Tambourine Man by the Birds, uh, California Dreamin', the Mama and Papas, uh, fucking Good Vibrations, the Beach Boys again. Yeah, that's uh, Monday words. Monday, the Mamas and Papas, River Deep, Mountain High, Ike and Tina Turner. Uh, fucking <laughs> these boots are made for walking. Nancy Sinatra. Woman, Woman by Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. I don't know if you know that one. That's a good one, though. I don't know Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. Oh, they got two songs, and both of them have the Wrecking Crew on them, so that's probably why they're so fucking good. <laughs> uh, the Boxer, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, oh okay. So they, they got they, they got long to be close to you by the Carpenters. Like this is just a nonstop <laughs> hit machine. These guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, Phil Spector was kind of that too, like as a producer. Mm-hmm. So that's they why they were, were his house band. Him, yeah. Yeah, so uh, good, good uh, in instruments, good instrumentation on here. Lots yeah. of, lots of, lots of pedigree, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's no surprise that a lot of people not only rank like the Beach Boys as high, but this album so highly, given just some of the factors at play here. Yeah. Did you ever see that Portlandia sketch where he's like making, he like makes a studio in his basement? And he brings his friend over and he's showing him everything. And he keeps like showing us something like, oh yeah, we got like some of these old whatever. And like, yeah, like, like these are pet sounds. Oh, these are pet sounds. Oh, just keep yeah, saying that. Like, look at pets. And then like Jack White materializes out of nowhere and he's like, hey. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like in pet sounds. Just like in pet sounds. Um, speaking of pet sounds. Should we talk about the lyrics, Alex? Yeah, we should talk about the pet sounds of this. Pet sounds. So we'll uh, we'll start with the I know there's an answer lyrics, and then sure. we'll just because there's not that many lines that are actually different. Yeah, they're pretty similar. There's a there's a couple changes. But yeah, the key parts is the chorus, which like is uh, is a big part of the song. Yeah. So verse one starts. I know so many people who think they can do it alone. They isolate their heads and stay in their safety zones. Now, what can you tell them, and what can you say that won't make them defensive? I mean, right away, I'd move into talking about the, like, ego death concept. Because the very first thing he talks about is people who isolate their heads. 
and the idea mm-hmm. behind the ego death is the loss of the sense of self and like the right. loss of isolation. And if you're into uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, you might call it the Human Instrumentality Project. I don't know. Mm. But we're not fucking weebs on this show. No, absolutely not. we wouldn't talk about that. Um, And and that's really what it seems. But, and I know there's an answer. Um, I think he does a pretty good job just changing what he changes to, like, remove that concept mostly unless you know it's there because like yeah you can talk about someone isolating themselves and and acting in a safe way you know and not putting themselves out there and it doesn't have to be in the context of like lsd mm-hmm. certainly so i i know i didn't really comment about the lyrics specifically but that that's no i, I think you, you know. kind of have to set it up in broad strokes because right. yeah you're right these could just be because he's specifically, if we if we look at the history of the song, he's talking about uh, people like uh, big acid heads, essentially, who, while they, and this comes in with verse two, they trip through the day and waste all their thoughts at night. They're consistently tripping, but they're staying in their safety zones. They're using it to, like, isolate themselves from the world and from, like, any sort of further other understanding rather than using it to to uh, like achieve ego death and kind of break down their own barriers sure but then yeah you also just know people are like that yeah, can do this all on my own i'm just gonna do what i fucking feel like i'm gonna do what feels safe and right to me and i'm not gonna listen to what anybody fucking tells me so it's it's two different kind of idiots but they are <laughs> similar yeah and and i do like the like more i would say some more universal uh concept of just like introducing and supporting this idea of of like reco- needing to relate to other people to live your life mm-hmm. in a more maybe fulfilling way uh and put yourself out there which is yeah. probably good advice but so also then, it's hard mm-hmm. to convince it's hard to talk to people about it and that's the second part of this because yeah what can you tell them because you can say like hey you're the like your life is wrong and the the things you do are bad and some people like uh fuck you i guess <laughs> Uh, leave me alone. Stop yeah. trying to sell me acid, man. I don't want it. Plus, exactly. And, it's, <laughs> and you come off as like high and mighty and maybe a bit of a fucking weirdo. If you're like, listen, brother, take this LSD and we'll, we'll work some problems out. Yeah. And that's def- That's like a very, I think, universal concept of like everyone tries to relate to other people. Uh, but if you try to be too like ascetic about it, that's kind of interesting that those two concepts are uh introduced in the same like four lines because it's not very much but uh not very many words but like it says oh everyone else is you know being so safe and everyone else is 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 uh isolating themselves and and he seems to imply that he thinks he has a better alternative but also Mm -hmm. if like his method of of approaching other people is isolating him from them so it's like kind of a double-edged sword in trying to relate to other people you end up isolating yourself yeah and so then that's how i guess we get to the chorus he says i know there's an answer i know now but i have to find it by myself now critics of this rewrite because this is mike love's lyrics Uh, argue did mike love actually write those i thought that he um, revised the lyrics, yeah. Okay, I thought that he just said like he didn't really like the lyrics, and Brian Wilson was like, "Fine, I'll rewrite it." And then he, I thought Brian Wilson rewrote um, um, the the chorus himself. 
I love was not in drugs at all. That was, according to reading the genius annotation and reading how I read it in the intro and what I've gathered. So he says, but Mike Love really disliked the lyrics and vetoed them when Wilson asked for honest feedback. Love was not into drugs at all and felt it was too much of a doper song, so he wrote those alternate lyrics. Okay. Although it also seems like the kind of... Uh... Yeah, and Mike Love kind of is period. credited as, as one of the songwriters. Uh, oh, so. right. That was a problem I remembered, because there was like a, a court case or something, and now mm. he's credited as, as a writer. I do remember That's that. right, 1990s court case. Yeah. Okay. So the other, so sorry, what were you saying? I think I interrupted you. Um, so uh, critics of the of the rewritten lyrics often note that the the line "I know there's an answer, I know now, but I have to find it by myself" stands in direct uh like contradiction to I know so many people who think they can do it alone. Right, but I think that's interesting because, as I said before, there's already kind of contradiction in the song because mm-hmm. his attitude towards trying to get other people to be more accepting is is potentially isolating him already. So now he's kind of isolating himself. And I don't think there being a contradiction in that is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and it's I find that, again, when we talk about this, like I give people giving you advice, I, I've had so many people tell me, oh, you should do this, you should do this thing, and I've never taken that advice until I thought it was my own idea. You know, right. like, yeah, I have I have that, too, where it's like, you know, something kind of, but like you don't really accept it and you have to, like, come to the conclusion yourself. Mm hmm. So I think it's a very relatable line in that way. Yeah, for sure. Because so I think that he knows there's an answer. And at, on one side of things, he, he says he has to find it by himself, find how he can connect to these people rather than putting the blame on them. But then on the other end, that that chorus also applies to them is that they in the end have to find that answer to, to why they're staying isolated, why they're staying in their safety zones and how to get out of that by themselves. They have to reach the conclusion. Right. I could throw out some, well, no, sorry. I, I started saying something and like realized if I wanted to keep saying it, I, I didn't know how I was going to say it and I would just be rambling for a long okay. time. So I'm just going to not go down that avenue right Fair. now. So and I'm going to hang what, on to what the I, What I think happens in I Know There's an Answer is it's a, it's a more of a I, I have to better myself to help better others. It's like a not an adversarial approach. But which like it's seems, leading by example. Mm-hmm. So that's He's how like, I see it. Yeah, it's, I've got a I've got a lead, so I can help others. Whereas when we go to uh, hang on to your ego, it's uh, and Brian Wilson uh, later said of the line "hang on to your ego" that it was in itself an ego statement, and he didn't want to promote that. Right. But it becomes this like, "Hey, you fucking idiot! <laughs> <laughs> hang on to your ego. Hang on, but I know you're gonna lose the fight." Which yeah. as a person who has experience with psychedelics, if you take a bunch of psychedelics and try to hang on to your ego, you will lose that fight. It's, <laughs> that's, that's going to happen. So it's like a factual statement, but also the least loving thing to say to somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does definitely seem kind of like judgmental. It's like, but you're not good enough to do it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like your ego is the fucking worthless, buddy. <laughs> It's you're gonna lose the fight. Like you hang on, go go get him. Like you go pretend that you know what you're doing, buddy. Trip through the day. I don't give a fuck, but you're gonna lose that fight. 
I'm just not a very Beach Boys vibe on that, you know? No, <laughs> but that's true of a lot of the... Well, not all of the album, though, because I, like... I probably shouldn't get too off topic, but something like Wouldn't It Be Nice still sounds very Beach Boys to me. Cause oh, yeah. But uh, anyway. A very idealistic love song. Yeah. But yeah, there's that positivity, which is what I think the Michael Love rewrite actually brings in to the I Know There's an Answer, is the positivity that it was kind of not there in Hang On To Your Ego. Right, and it also made me think of, um, there's a, a quote attributed to Neil Peart of Rush, um, and I don't recommend, like, just reading all the Neil Peart quotes you can find, because he had a lot of, like, different ideas throughout the years. He was really into Ayn Rand for a while, so, like, oh God, none yep. of these quotes I was reading had had years on them, so it's like... You read a quote that would be like, I just really think that, like, you should be loving and help people. And the next one would be like, I think really Anne, Ayn Rand has got it. And, like, she knows, like, the way the world. And then you're like, well, that probably wasn't the same year uh, <laughs> or yeah. the same interview or whatever. Anyway, so this is Neil Peart quote where he says, uh, what I've learned over the years is that the craft of songwriting is trying to take the personal and make it universal. Uh, and then adds on, or in the case of telling a story, taking the universal and making it personal. Hmm. And uh, it's a it's a fun quote, but I really think that that the the transition from "Hang on to your ego" to "I know there's an answer" really kind of embodies that idea of taking something that is very personal, uh, in this case, personal to Brian Wilson, this this like acid culture concept uh, of ego death, and like applying it in a more universal way. So I think it was pr- probably a good decision to change those words. Mm. Yeah, it's, and I have a fondness for, for both sets of lyrics. But I think Hang On To Your Ego suits a certain genre more than others. Yeah, it probably fits the, the band and the album a little better. Yeah. Uh, so verse two, they come on like they're peaceful, but inside they're so uptight. They trip through their day and waste all their thoughts at night. Now how can I come on and tell them the way that they, they live could be better? I do like that first line's implication that the dichotomy here is between being peaceful and being uptight. It's like, mm-hmm. don't go to war. You're so uptight about everything. <laughs> That's the problem here. You just got to right. loosen up, buddy. But it is, it's talking about, and it's always a problem with any sort of counterculture movement. Right. Uh, it, like to, to look at punk, for example, with eventually it was like, oh, well, you're all posers. And then it was like, everybody was a poser. And it's like, this hi- hierarchical structure comes in place in a in a counterculture that's supposed to be removing that kind of structure, right? Since so they come on like it, they're peaceful, like oh hey yeah, come hang out with us. It's all it's all groovy, brother. But then they're like oh you you've never done this or that or you don't you don't follow this ideology. It's get fucked. Like <laughs> you have to subscribe to a certain set of rules still. Right, there's still expectations of you. And I think we've all experienced that in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, good line is what I'm saying. Universal. Yeah. Um, now, the, the trip through the day and waste all their thoughts at night, that does seem to have some, again, like, LSD implications. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's kind of vague enough. Like, they say trip through the day, but it could almost be like a, a play on words here. Like, just of just, like, going through your day without much thought. Like, you're kind of not paying attention, so you just, like, trip, and then, oh, you're through the day because you weren't, you didn't do it, like, 
in a measured way like you're not playing mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah it's essentially because the line is basically they waste their day and waste the night too yeah yeah and yeah so it literally through tripping they're they're because they just do it consistently it loses meaning it loses significance it basically becomes a fucking day job but yeah there is the other interpretation where they they stumble through the day right they just don't fucking do anything right and then they they go home at night and they're like uh and do you know classic navel gazing yeah and yeah i i get that <laughs> you know, uh i uh i've had days like that i've probably had oh, a yeah. lot of days like that i've probably had oh fuck yeah dude way too many days like that but i get it and that's exactly the kind of thing i don't know a guy like brian wilson who is i mean how do i phrase this someone like me who would definitely see acting in this way as like a shortcoming and like the alternative being basically becoming Brian Wilson, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh, if only I hadn't done all this, I could have, you know, been a great artist or whatever. Right. Because I didn't, because I wasted my time. So it's an, yeah. Yeah. I get this line too. Like, Mm hmm. It seems to share some thematic ideas with uh, once in a lifetime, you know. This um, idea of just kind of, kind of going through the day, right? And except, you know, in once in a lifetime, where you come up for air and you, you, right. you kind of see where you are. These guys don't do that, right? I guess the difference is once in a lifetime, like, um, addresses more the feeling of like powerlessness and not being mm-hmm. able to address uh, that problem. Whereas this one's just like, you're just doing the wrong thing. Right. This is a willful ignorance, whereas once in a lifetime is more looking at the powerlessness of the system. Right. Yeah. So, man, the system, man. Yeah. And then so and then again, he comes to sort of the same conclusion from the first verse. How do I tell these people that there's a better way without being like, hey, dipshit, listen here. Yeah. (laughs) You say you may find yourself living in a (laughs) shotgun shop. Jack? Exactly. You gotta, you gotta give them the uh, the religious speech. Remove um, the water from the bottom of the, the ocean. Um, so in in verse two on "Hang On to Your Ego," it is slightly different. <laughs> he says, "Now, how can I say it, and how can I come on when I know I'm guilty?" Well, let me tell you, that's the super ego right there. So let mm. go of that. We don't need super ego. We need a little more id and a little less superego. That's what I think. That's what I always fucking say, brother. So, That's how I get the party started. <laughs> All right, everybody. Leave that superego at the door. That's actually... They kind of say that in a, a, a Corey Wong live show. Anyway, I won't mm. get too into it. Way to go, Corey Wong. Yeah. Um, I like. I feel like I like this this idea that he knows he is also guilty of the things he's witnessing. Right. He's acknowledging that. And that said, I do think the other, the other. Uh, the, I know there's an answer. Doesn't really address it directly, but maybe just because of that um, contradiction created by the by the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's sort of well, it's sort of a contradiction. It sort of touches on it, but doesn't like say it directly. Right. But I mean, that's the other odd thing about this song to me is that it's not really the style of songwriting I usually associate with the mid '60s. Like mm. usually, 
if you're talking about yourself, like it's a love song. It's like I'm in love with my car. someone, and like, how do I get them to notice me or whatever? Or like, right. just ve- generally about this concept of like love and what the feeling of love is. This seems so personal, just about like how to go through your daily life. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not a love song. Um, yeah, this and is like that's how do I odd, deal with yeah. conflicts at work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I I'm thinking about. Like the Beatles, really, which especially at this time was like a lot of love songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much. At anyway, um, so and that's the other thing that seems odd, at least about the original. Uh, even about I know there's an answer, but less. It like I said, it seems a little more universal, but it's really not like a pop love song. And that was another thing they were talking about in some of the interviews of like. Uh, when they were making the album and Mike Love was saying basically like where's the hook you know uh, right of of this song and he's like uh, I want to make my music or whatever mm-hmm. so it, it seems that it's odd as a pop song yeah you're right it is because like generally a song like this would be like third person kind of thing yeah it would it would be like you know like fucking Rocky Raccoon or some shit <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Uh, or like one guy is dissatisfied with these hippies. These hippies are doing stuff that's not hip. Wonder who's dissatisfied with the hippies. That's like what's the Beatles song like? All the little piggies and like, it's it's very on the nose. You know that song? Yeah, that's. Lots I think of it piggies, might just be called pigs, isn't it? Or piggies? Something like that. And it's just like piggies, like. Accounting, <laughs> like okay, I wonder what this song's about. <laughs> all the pigs with their like ledger sheets. I don't remember the lyrics. Yeah, it's like so on the nose. Who are actually humans doing accounting jobs? <laughs> like ah, it's a metaphor. I see. Yeah, that's piggies off of White Album. Yeah, that it comes right song. before Rocky Raccoon and right after Black Bird. That's a three-song animal run. Yeah, it is off the Beatles brackets White Album. Um. Let's see, is there anything else in this song? That is the the entirety of the lyrics, I'm pretty sure. It's repetition, I think, after this. Yeah. And then, actually, one version for Hang On To Your Ego has some, like, dialogue in it, but this version doesn't have that. Hey, Chuck, is it possible we could bring a horse in here without, if we don't screw anything up? I beg your pardon? Honest to God now, the horse is tamed in everything. There's a bark also, apparently. That's the pet sounds, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the song. That's the songs. That's the songs, baby. Uh, really? Hang on. Or I know there's an answer. Takes hang on to your ego and and makes it a little bit more uh more universal and less judgmental. I think mm-hmm. it's a little more palatable and uh, accessible as a pop song. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now moving into instrumentation, <clears throat> one of the biggest differences between the two is that on Hang On To Your Ego, it's just Brian Wilson singing. Whereas right, because it's on, like a demo. Yeah, whereas on I Know There's An Answer, Brian Wilson does the chorus, and I believe it is Mike Love and somebody else doing the uh, vocals. It's probably Al Jardine. That's correct. The other Beach Boys guy. But there's also some Wilson brothers who, like, I don't know if they were even around for this. They don't seem to really. No, they were around. They, they didn't seem to have much, like, creative input, though. Mm. so i don't know maybe they did um, yeah well, so yeah vocals were al jardine mike love and brian wilson 
and then we move into the uh, the the actual musical instruments on this. I'm just gonna list off the instruments. So yeah. we got drums, we got guitar, we got a banjo, we got a tack piano. Tack piano. Which, which uh, do you want to explain that one real quick? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. I didn't know this existed, but basically, you just take a piano and like put thumbtacks in the hammers, so that when the hammer strikes the string, it's like metal hitting it. Yeah, and, like wild. it just sounds brighter and like. That's the sound of the piano in this. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And we got four tenor saxophones, another guitar, an organ, a baritone saxophone, a bass harmonica, electric oh. bass, string bass, and just general percussion. Yeah, before I knew that there was a bass harmonica in this, I still barely know what a bass harmonica is, but I have a chromatic harmonica, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a 16-hole chromatic harmonica, which is four octaves. Um, and the like standard for a long time was three octaves so when they made the the 16 hole ones they just kind of threw a low octave on the bottom end uh and it's very like that's what it sounds like it's like that really like (sighs) like it's a harmonica but it's like you can hear the vibrations it's so low frequency yeah it's so like obvious once you hear the term bass harmonica and then you listen to the song you're like oh that's a bass harmonica yeah that's a fucking huge ass read but like it's it's like weird playing that low because you play it like you have to have so much air pressure, but like you don't want to overdo it. Like it's it's tricky, um, but it's a different feeling from the higher octaves for sure. But it's it's yeah. got that kind of sound to it, where it's like almost clicky. Yeah. It's so that's just one of the the kind of one of the the aspects of the Wallace sound philosophy is taking weird instruments and putting them in the composition, right? And then Something the unusual, other part. Yeah is taking, again, weird and traditional instruments and making them play the same part, which we get for sort of the main piano riff. Right. That comes in and it's playing um, like a B-flat major chord in mm-hmm. like a inver- inverted version. And then it's switching between that and then just an F chord. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. that's all just b flat because you like take away the the top note of it and then put it back and then the same thing with the f where you just like play two notes or well i was playing two notes i don't know how many they play and just like add a higher note on the top for that um but there's a piano this tack piano playing and then an organ as well doing just this progression of like b flat to f mm-hmm and then there's a bass line in the back doing a sort of boom, 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 boom. Doom, yes, there's doom, kind of, doom. there's the bass harmonica doing the like, bum, 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 yeah. bum. But then there's also a bass line that, that comes in a little bit later. Yeah. So there's sort of two bass, like, instruments doing mm-hmm. their own bass things. Um, and then tambourine, lots of tambourine, lots of tambourine. Um, dun, 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 dun. and yeah, there's like lots of other, so like they do this and the vocals come in. Um, and I'm trying to remember when there's like some backup vocals too. At least on, I know there's an answer. Cause yeah, uh, that's when there were more guys to sing. Um, but uh there's also like like you like there's flutes and and stuff mm-hmm. that come in um during 
the verse. Right. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, there's lots of like, like I guess part of that wall of sound concept is just having like all these instruments. So suddenly you have like flutes and saxophones and like, I don't know, clarinets maybe. Yeah. And it just makes like a, a really rich like soundscape. Yeah. It's plus very large. The drums. Did you say anything about special drums on this? Um, Cause it sounds like no. some sort of like timpani, like a big drum to me. Yeah. It sounds like a big ass fucking And it's drum. like really echoing. But I think one of the other things, um, that I heard about the wall of sound was sometimes they would like, was Phil Spector involved in this or is it just like similar concepts to the wall of sound? Uh, just similar concepts, I believe. Also, yeah. yes, there is prominent use of a timpani. Awesome. Yeah. So, so to create some of the echoes, cause like some of the, the like effects didn't really exist. They would like pipe sound like into a large empty room and then like record it back. So, like, you'd have a room for just, like, echoes mm. and just have, like, some audio equipment down there. Right. So, I think that's they actually did that to create echoes sometimes, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they did that on this, but it sounds like those those drums are in, like, a big room. <laughs> um, And it's all got, like, a really cool, like, echoey, spacey kind of sound to it. And, like, that's the pet sound sound. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, in terms of other, like, interesting parts, there is uh, a bridge that's done by the bass harmonica. Okay, which section is that? That is, uh, that's like the instrumental break. Okay. So around 150. Yeah, how many songs have a bass harmonica solo in them? Exactly. Not and then many. That's where you also get the banjo in the back. Right, that's where the banjo comes in. I was, like, in researching this, there were a lot of threads on various websites that were, like, which version's better? And on one thread, someone was like, I think the banjo's better in Hang On To Your Ego. And I can't tell if... I don't think there's a difference. I think it's the same banjo. Yeah, it's because it's, like, it's fucking Glenn Campbell. I don't think Glenn it's a banjo it. part. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe there's a difference. But I couldn't find it. Mm. I couldn't hear it. Um, there's also, like, a transition that happens two times. Once before the... Um, bass harmonica solo and runs right at the end where it's like yeah. all the woodwinds just like it's, everything slows down and all the woodwinds just do like doo, like a slow right. like quick descending thing and that's thing. preceded by them going oh doobie doobie doo oh yes they doobie doobie doo and so doobie doobie i yeah that's the original song i know yeah. there's an answer yeah hang on so to your ego they're pretty similar to each other obviously one is just like it, like it's a demo version, but I think most of the, um, most of the instruments are like like the recordings are the same. Like it's considered mm-hmm. a demo. Uh, the big difference is, I know there's an answer is like a bit sounds a bit louder, and I think just because it's remastered. Yeah, I imagine that's really it. Is just more production. Yeah, um, I really liked uh, listening to like. Like I said, that video I was watching, that was just a bunch of them talking. Uh, how mm-hmm. many times he like kept telling the bass harmonica player, he's like, you just really, just wail on it. Just wail on it. Just wail on it. And like, he really wails on it in the, in the final solo. Like, he really is blowing that harmonica. Oh, yeah. Um, if you, yeah, pay attention. It's, he's really going. Yeah, it's, I've, 
I mean, I have nothing to compare to. I've never really heard a bass harmonic anywhere else right. in my life. The only thing I have to compare it to compare it to is like the previous attempts in this video, and like mm. the one in the song is like pretty pretty strong. Yeah, it sounds like like just the way. It... Yeah, like, it, he really right. blasts it. He's really blasting. Fucking a way to fucking go. Uh, should we jump into the covers, Alex? Yeah, let's talk about some covers. All right, we're opening with Sonic Youth in 1990. Um, this is from the tribute to Brian Wilson called Smiles, Vibes, and Harmony, which is a variety of artists contributing songs that Brian Wilson has done. This is a version of I Know There's an Answer. I, I'm guessing that they did. I know there's an answer just because like this was released in 1990 and probably came out just before the Pet Sounds remasters. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when I uh, Hang On To Your Ego would have been more well known. Um, there's a Pixies version, I think, from just before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly, and that's Hang On To Your Ego. So I think there must have been at least like some access to it. Okay. But I don't know. Probably, maybe not as wide. Like, it's the early 90s, so the distribution yeah. wasn't there. Um, yeah, so this is Sonic Youth. Do you have much relationship with Sonic Youth? Um, yeah, I've been getting more into their music in later years. Uh, my first exposure to them was Rock Band, where the song Cool Thing is on it. Right, yeah, that's not, really the only... Not my favorite Sonic Youth song, <laughs> no, by a long shot. That's my only exposure to them. But the other thing about this version is that it's accredited to Sonic Youth and Jim um, O'Rourke, who I think was in Sonic Youth for a while. Right. So I don't... He doesn't seem to count as a band member in this version. I don't know. Yeah, long um, associated with. Uh, let me see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nah, I should have done this research. He's best known for his numerous solo and collaborative projects, many of which are entirely instrumental, and for his tenure as a member of Sonic Youth from 1999 to 2005. Okay, so he wasn't yet. Yeah, so he wasn't a member at the time. Um, now Sonic Youth does a. Yeah, they, they do quite a few covers that I'm aware of. Uh, they do a cover of the Carpenter's Superstar. Which I think is fucking awesome, and I think, uh, not to tip my hand too much on a review of this, but I think it's a way better cover overall than this. But also, I can't remember which member of the Carpenters it is, but they say they fucking hate that version of the song. So <laughs> Which means it's probably great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything against the Carpenters, I'm just talking shit. Um, yeah, so the beginning of this one, it comes in on the guitar, and they're really just playing single notes. And that's mm-hmm. kind of... One of the interesting things uh, to me as a person who's like trying to get better at transcribing music from uh, recordings mm-hmm. is that the the chord progression here is B flat to F, um, but B flat and F don't really like define the sound because that's mm-hmm. not what's changing between like the so it's they're playing like b flat to d and then a to c so really the way this is played is that but i think you play like an f below it and you end up with those chords but really the other notes are defining the sound mm. but they're skipping the chords at at the beginning they're just playing those jumps yeah, and now what comes in after that, the guitar is a, a distorted, is it a distorted harmonica? Um, it just it just does like a... Right. Um, 
I think it might be a synthesizer. Uh, but that takes a bit to come in, right? Like what? they're doing some. It comes oh, in you in know about what? Ten seconds. Oh well, then I've missed it. Right, it kind of sounds like a melodica. Mm, you know? Yeah, that like, would check this, out. But like, this is almost like, like you know, the Jurassic Park melodica. <laughs> it, like it's, it sounds kind of detuned. Right. So it almost sounds like they found a kind of old melodica with maybe not the best reeds. Well, uh, Sonic Youth is known for actually like detuning their instruments and yeah. uh, doing like weird tunings, so, so that's this not surprising like at all. Like, yeah, yeah, it's very much. So I think it might be if it's not a melodica, it's like some kind of synthesizer, but it has a melodica sort of sound to it. To me, mm-hmm. it's got that like slow kind of attack where you have to, have to blow into the thing for a second before it actually starts to go. Yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's like a, an echo or like what it is, but there's a lot of like a repetition in notes. They do like a, almost a wall of sound, but instead of using multiple instruments, they just use a bunch of distortion. Right. And like echo that just echoes over itself and like they just keep mm-hmm. playing that sort of thing. Yeah. And they do, they're doing like their harmonies. They do the ah, uh, so it's like yeah. very much. Uh, I know there's an answer. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's. I like it. I think the the vocals are fine. They're nothing spectacular, but they certainly don't detract from the piece. Yeah, it's like early '90s kind of alt rock, and it has that sound to it. It sounds like Sonic Youth. I, I yeah, or what I think of Son- as Sonic Youth. So. Yeah, and we get you know a good little distorted guitar solo in place of the uh, in place of the bass harmonica. Right. Yeah, they don't play that on the harmonica anymore, and uh, I I believe they they like do the strumming, but there's no banjo. Yeah, it's just also a guitar. So like you replace things with the guitars because that's what you got on you, you know. Yeah, they do have tambourine though. They do, but everyone has a tambourine. Everybody's got a fucking tambourine. Yeah, so I guess, like, my problem with this one is I, I like it. It sounds good, but in some ways it just feels like a, a sort of reskin, like a regenerating of the original. But I guess that's not always bad. No, it's not. And, like, they do a decent job of it. They're Sonic Youth. They make it sound like a Sonic Youth song. That's what I find a lot of these we're going to talk about is, like, didn't change a lot, but really made it sound like their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because everyone's kind of indirectly or directly influenced by Brian Wilson. Yeah, and maybe you know the, so the universal nature of the of the lyrics is something that everybody could kind of pick up on and put their right. own spin on. Yeah. Um, the one other thing they do is like it's I think right around like two oh eight. Uh, they do like a drum thing and make the drums follow the lyrics for a second. Where it goes bump bump. So when they say the way that they live. It's like dun, okay. dun 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 dun, like they play on the drums, and that kind of sounds cool. Oh yeah, I just, like that. it's just a moment, but it's it's a nice touch. Yeah. With that, we're gonna move to 1993, where we're talking about Frank Black. Yeah, I did not realize that Frank Black was Black Francis. Yeah, neither did I until I looked it up. And uh, this sounds nothing like Pixies. I mean, 
Yeah, kind of. Okay. To me, it doesn't sound very much like Pixies at all. It's uh, It sounds more like later Pixies than like actual heyday Pixies. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But I, later Pixies also isn't that good, so it sounds better than that. It's like somewhere between those. I guess so. I like Andro Queen. Do you like Andro Queen? Yeah, I do like that one. I like that song. Anyway. <laughs> off anyway, uh, so this uh, during the recording of 1991's Trump Lamont for Pixies, Black discussed doing solo recordings with his uh, producer, Gil Norton. And he was but like, he you'll have no- to change your name. <laughs> no, he had no material to record, so he's like, well, I'll do a cover album. And then by the time he actually got around to recording this album, he had actually had enough material on him that he basically cut down on the amount of covers to just one, and that was this, Hang On To Your Ego. And yeah, this this changes it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, This, to me, just makes it a lot more like, just like a straight, like, rock and roll style song. like, And the beginning, like, he doesn't really have that same, it's just like strumming chords. Bum, 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 bum. So like a similar tempo to the other one, but it's not like changing, like in the yeah. Original. And the the drums come in right off the bat. Yeah, and there's lots of cymbals, so it's like, it's much more like high energy. Mm-hmm. It's the original. And I mean, it, all of Pet Sounds has a bit of a laid back feeling, but definitely this does not. Yeah, this one picks up on the aggression of the line "Hang on to your ego" and just like translates that into a. A, a lively beat and then even the piano riff i think is done in our on an arpeggiator yeah there's lots of like. synthesizers yeah. too um mm-hmm. and definitely like the very beginning the like like he they play yeah, that on these plays chords that ring out um yeah. and that to me i don't know it sounds very punk because it makes me think of the like what is it the sex pistols like no future Mm, that's my yeah, sec- yeah. that's my Sex Pistols voice. I thought the Sex Pistols were in that's the That's my room with Sexy me. Pistols voice. <laughs> the Queen is dead or whatever. Mm. Something like that. Uh, anyway, like that. um, so it's a little punk. I don't know why that seems punk to me, but <laughs> that that those three notes <laughs> made me think of a punk song. Yeah, so. well, it does that like go down thing. It it's I don't know if it's a minor progression or if it's just like it's something about it like you could use the same thing when a villain enters the room and be like wow right you know it's it's just like it sets up some kind of malice yeah and uh it definitely like sets the tone and then you get that synth arpeggiator and then we get some vocals which again i think doesn't sound a whole lot like pixies like even though it's Black Francis singing. Yeah, well, it's less... Because uh, Pixies has a lot of, like, laid-back-ish tunes as well. Yeah. But there's not, like, like, this kind of energy behind it. Yeah, he sings very differently, I think. Just, like, Like, even if you think of, like, Wave of Mutilation, it sounds different. Wave. Than this. That one does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, different feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Other than that, yeah, like um, I, I still support what I said. It's like more of a straight rock and roll song. He's like, get big guitar chords in the chorus, and like, it feels more like traditional pop because they've got the like more of a separation between the sort of verse chorus and then the the structure is a little weird because like if you look at Genius, it talks about um like chorus and verse and then pre-chorus and pre-chorus two. Even though, actually, and I know there's an answer to this pre-chorus too, but no 
pre-chorus one. Um, but mm. I kind of think of the second half of the verses as sort of a pre-chorus, even right. and and they're sort of the same structure but different words. Um, but he sort of does that, and when he when he performs, it separates into that. So like, there's a verse section, there's sort of a pre-chorus section, and then there's the chorus section. So like, it's more um, distinct right. sections. Yeah, there's yeah, you can notice the shift. But how can you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he does. Uh, he does. He does a. It's you can miss it, but when he goes into the to the chorus, he says so, and it's like low. so. Hang I on know, to your ego. Oh right, he's hang on to your ego. Yeah, Fuck. <laughs> it's, yeah, he slips into that, and it's just a just a small thing I noticed. But he does a ripping guitar solo on this. I think it's pretty good. Hey, and did I say it was a ripping guitar solo? <laughs> Let's see. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, then they do guitar solo. Carriage return, pretty ripping. Um, <laughs> uh, I they also have this like one of the synthesizers is what I like to call a rubber band synth. It's kind of like a, like mm-hmm. pew, 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 sound. Yeah, <laughs> and they I have said, that I, on here. I think I said the bassy synth does some real bouncing around here. Yeah, I I don't know if that's a term, but I like to call it a rubber band synth because it sounds like you know, like when you yeah, flick a rubber. No, band. I got it. <laughs> Um, and he does this, so he does this segment where, like, the guitar drops out, you still get the rhythm section, and he says, hang on, do you, like, he does the chorus, hang and then on. he's got, yeah, the backup vocals are the, hang on. They're so, the backup vocals hang sound, on. like, so disinterested, they're just like, hang on. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> it's funny. But, yeah, it, you're right, it basically, it manages to be this, uh, kind of straight rock version that... But that still has a lot of interesting pieces going on. I think it's really good. It's the yep. first version I was aware of hearing. So right, it definitely it's a lot like bigger and rockier. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of like changing it up, this is probably the biggest change that we're going to talk yeah, about today. Yeah, I would I so. would say so. Right on. Frank With that, Black. let's let's talk about the Levelers in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so do you know Levelers? Because, like, I had never heard of them, but apparently they're a know big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah! Like, I like, I... <laughs> like, they have record-breaking Glastonbury attendance for their headlining show in 94. Like, mm-hmm. they were a big deal in the early to mid-90s, and I have never heard of them and, like, don't know any of their songs. I know, I looked at their most heard song, and it sounds it almost sounds like I could have heard it, but... I, yeah, nothing. it's I a nothing. little... It's very, like, UK, I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. It's so yeah, they're English distinctly. folk rock band from Brighton, and they were, I guess, they're they're an alt punk well. folk rock band, according to the okay. thing I read. All right, I, I read Wikipedia. I I um don't remember what I read. Probably Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. All right. What can you tell me about this version, Alex? Uh. Oh, uh, okay. So they they do switch it up a little bit. Um, sorry, I've lost my window that has the. All actual... right, let me tell you this, yeah, Alex. You it's got go. a sort of. It sounds like a very bright piano. It's like boop 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 boop. Like it's uh, it almost honky tonk, maybe. It's, it kind of sounds like they're doing the the doubling up thing because they've got like a something else on top of that piano. Yeah. 
But yeah, it's like a really bright piano. I don't know if it's quite honky tonk, but it's approaching that. Yeah. Um, what's on top of it, there? It, it, it sounds like um the like harmonica sound they use in banjo kazooie, but like super echoey version of that. Oh uh, yeah, I kept going back and forth on that sound. I wasn't sure if it was a harmonica, a synth, strings, or an accordion. Man, I was like, I don't know what the fuck's yeah, going on. Yeah, I'm here. leaning towards synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe synthing a harmonica. Yeah, maybe. Definitely possible with like some effects thrown in, some echo and. Yeah, because it does do the the bass harmonica roll, but it all it seems to play quite high. Yeah, it's very high. It's no longer bass. Uh, and then that piano keeps going, and it, yeah, it is pretty honky tonk. Um, or honky tonk. It's honky tonk enough. It's the, the right yeah. level or the level. It's like if honky tonk's in yeah. tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess just bright piano. Like yeah, I guess just piano? bright. I don't now know. there is a lyric change on this. Um. And what? Yes, there's and, a few. I think. I think I. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've. Uh, how many people think I isolate their heads to stay in the safety zones? Now can you tell them? Uh, hang on to your ego, because I know you're gonna lose the fight. So they say that. Uh, this is hang on to your ego. Uh, mm-hmm. they say that line. Uh, uh sorry. Uh, do you have the genius? Because I'm. Uh, I have the genius. I, up. I do. I just have my ears that I used. He says, "Hang on to your <laughs> ego, because you know you're gonna lose the plot." That's what he says. Yeah. You know what? I knew he was different, so I pulled up the genius, and the genius doesn't have that. Yeah, of course not. So, fuck this, and uh, you take over from here, man. So that that's the, the only line. I think the first time he says, you know you're going to lose the plot, and the other time he says, I know you're going to lose the plot. So what does that mean? Um, uh, losing the plot is uh, like losing the point, right? And... I, like again, in terms of both uh, somebody tripping a lot without and trying to avoid ego death, and somebody just trying to do their shit, it's like you can hang on to your ego, but that's not the point of any of this. Whether that's life or doing drugs, which is life. So it's you can try and do that, but you're gonna right. forget what the fuck's actually important. Like wasting your time, pal. Ah, so it's a slight. It's a slightly more 1990 or when was this? 1997. 1997 approach, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I found this version, like, they definitely have a more distinct, a fairly distinct sound Mm -hmm. uh, from the original. Uh, Like I said, I'd be saying this a lot, but I don't know what the levelers sound like all the time, but if it's this, then then that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, And it's 97, so they're maybe a little more confident as a unit because they already played their big Glastonbury show in 94. Right. Yeah, so I dig it. I dig it, brother. I dig it. It's good sound. There's, like, some violins. There. Oh, yeah, the, I think there's violin. Maybe I'm thinking about that sound we were talking about before. Yeah, that, um, that miracle synth that plays all noises at once. Yeah, <laughs> it's everything at the same time, which is cool, I guess. Um, but I guess that's wall of sound. It's hard to tell what the instrument is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the end of the, yeah, they do the same thing with like in kind of treating the end of the verses as a bridge and they start to like, just hit symbols, just hitting symbols, bringing you into the next part, but to transition into the chorus. Um, and the piano is a little different. They got some, like, they do some like higher arpeggios. At points mm-hmm. in time, instead of just like, you know, those sounds that I just made. 
which yeah, was totally yeah, 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 accurate yeah, yeah, to the yeah. recording. Yeah. So that's this version. That's what I thought of it. That is this version. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Not too exciting, not too bad. Just had, left me with a lot of questions about the levelers more than anything. Definitely. With that, let's move into a band I have no questions about and barely want to talk about. <laughs> Vitamin String Quartet. Vitamin String Quartet. Okay, so this is a bit interesting because mm-hmm. Vitamin String Quartet did an album covering pet sounds that's what uh-huh. this is from like? but they have two versions because they have i know there's an answer and they have hang on to your ego mm. so and they're different Shit, so they too. having listened to both of them i like hang on to your ego better i i was tipped off because i saw it and i was like why would vitamin string quartet which is a cover instrumental cover group name this song after the demo version Right. Because that was the version we have on our playlist is Hang On To Your Ego, and they're not singing, so why would they draw a distinction? Why would they do this? Um, and it's because they do have two versions, and this is kind of their, like... They've got this, like, low string sound that they've, like, yeah. really digging into, and I really like that. It's very, like, gritty, and that's not in the I Know There's An Answer. It's very yeah. like, just like straight, like smooth string quartet cover. But this is the one where it's like, all right, guys, now have a little fun. Do the same thing, yeah. but different. Um, so I like this version better than. Okay, but did you notice this weird ass violin noise in the background that goes like. Yes, there's some like noise stuff going on, too. So it's it sounds like... like a Banjo-Kazooie character to bring up <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie again. Yeah, let's keep bringing up Banjo-Kazooie. That's always good um we'll see yes there's like some cacophony and like discord in the background so this is their like this is their weird version which made me like it more yeah they do some interesting little things i guess one i kind of tuned out because i was like why do i keep putting vitamin string quartet on i know i was shocked i was like why did you put vsq on here again but now they've got this like two version thing and then i was excited yeah, that's a, that's a bit of interesting. Right you know there. what the other thing they do on this is? They've transposed mm. it down half a step. Everything is okay. down cuz I was trying to play along and it wasn't quite right. No one else seems mm. to do that really. Well, maybe. I didn't play along with everyone, but it is No, cuz I listened to the beginning and they're not the same note to start with and I thought that was weird. But yeah, every it's just half a step down. I don't know why they did it. Maybe for that like um that low sound, maybe it's harder to get a half step up or something because mm. sometimes that happens you know playing instruments in different ranges makes them play differently um yeah but yeah i don't know you just get this real like gritty thing underneath it and it's, it's yeah it's a, i liked this version or it was def- uh, definitely more interesting than they're just straight i know there's an answer cover right so yeah you had that benefit of looking yeah i have the contrast i just, I just saw this and i was like that's there's this annoying violin noise. It's them doing the song, but with strings. It's just, I don't know, it's boring for me. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed comparing the two. Well, I'm glad you got your jollies out of this, Alex. Yeah. Speaking of a special time, let's talk about Duke Special. 
in 2008. I know there's an answer. I know not, but I had to find it by myself. They come on like they're peace. Duke special. I know there's an answer is what he's covering. Um, He's from Belfast. He has Skrillex dreadlocks. Mm-hmm, you know does. that I'm probably dating myself by referring to that hairstyle as Skrillex hair. That's fine. I don't mind being 26. Um, I can't for the most Alex, part, I'm only 18. For the most part, <laughs> that this is this is a very strange relationship then, because <laughs> I've definitely known you since I was 12. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. That's fine. Uh, anyway, I said he's from Belfast. Them. The band Them is from Belfast. That's ah. a connection there. Uh, doesn't Isn't, really mean uh, anything. The Levelers from Belfast, too? Were they? Yeah. No, sorry. They're from Brighton. My bad. Okay. Um, starts with a B. Same thing. Uh, yeah. He's like a singer-songwriter guy. He. Uh, yeah, and he does like kind of... He's a sort of eccentric. He uh, One of his signatures is having a transistor radio or gramophone playing throughout his performances. Oh, I didn't read that, but that seems to be happening here, potentially. Yeah, this one opens with a gramophone noise. Yeah, it's at least a gramophone noise. Um, and But it becomes cool, interesting because it speeds up at one point and, like, becomes the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it's very regular. Like, like, you hear that, like, it's like the motor turning sound, right? Yeah. So you hear that, like, kind of around. But it's just, like, becomes very regular when you're listening to it and sort of provides like a backing rhythm and then when it speeds up then it actually becomes like part of the song sort of so that's cool Mm -hmm. so we get uh we get pretty much the signature like uh backup vocals we get the keyboard plan and then that yeah that gramophone in the back always kind of keeping things in time yeah sounded like an egg timer to me as it picked up it does kind of have that like tick 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 of like an electronic egg time. Yeah. Um, or not electronic, but the ones you turn. The like. Yeah, exactly. Those like you know, hand ones. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because uh, you uh, you brought it up, but uh, um, yeah, the, and there's a lot of sounds because like his introduction is there's the the gramophone sound and like then suddenly it's like saxophone and like this synthesizer doing like bleeps and bloops and like he's playing on his piano and then i think there's even more mm-hmm. uh, or i think it's an elect- electric piano like an ep um and like the guitar strumming made me feel like it was like getting ready for something like someone like it was building and i think that's kind of one of the things this song does and i always like a nice crescendo is like it builds pretty well yeah, I agree with that. It's uh he does a good job of doing like he throws in this little digital like during yeah. the the instrumental break which is handled by I want to say it's either a sax or a trombone. Sorry, a um, trumpet. I think it's a saxophone. Yeah. Saxophone solo. But there's a like there's a lot of stuff that once he hits like I think the second verse there's an accordion, so yeah. that's cool. Um, and 
Yeah, so he kind of builds his uh, own wall of sound, like, yeah, yeah, like you said. And it's kind of based more in what instruments he and people he knows plays. So that's why it's like saxophone, accordion. Right. It's like, I guess I was thinking it was stuff that like became more popular with popular music because like bass clarinet didn't really catch on that much. Like people picked up saxophones instead, but it also is accordion, which I guess isn't that uncommon. Probably Mm. especially in Ireland. Yeah, which it's is just, where he's yeah, it from. Seems to be really based on, like, and having not listened to his other music, I can't confirm it. But just from right. what I read, this seems to be very like all like, a very natural performance of it, like is, a very Duke special version. This is the Duke special. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought um, it, I thought it did. What Frank Black did with Hang On To Your Ego, he really punches the the Hang On To Your Ego line, and it makes so much sense. And in that same sense, I think Duke Special does that, but with the I Know There's An Answer line, he kind of, like, there's a bit of an instrumental strip, and he gives a, a very good, like, gentle delivery of it, you know? Sure, yeah. And also, like, recreates sort of his own wall of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, during the solo section, it's a saxophone solo. But I thought it was interesting because there's sort of like the saxophone's playing, but also like the guitar is playing and like they're both sort of doing a solo thing like Mm -hmm. together. So that's kind of an interesting sound. Yeah, he creates sort of this, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Counterpoint? Yeah, counterpoint, and sort of, they're kind of discordant. Yeah. And you don't know really where to focus. You're like, ah, shit, what the fuck? Yeah, so it's like, it's a different application of that sort of wall of sound idea. Mm -hmm. Of just, like, there being a lot of sounds, but and they're just both kind of doing their own thing. And it's almost like, uh, well, I've been thinking about Aladdin Sane a lot lately, because who just, Trash Theory just did a video about Aladdin Sane. Um, And (laughs) how, like, it was an attempt to like make a like more rock album to market in the United States. Uh but being David Bowie who's like, yes, let's make a harder rock album, but also let's hire this avant-garde jazz pianist and add him to the ensemble to make it a little <laughs> so like it it reminds me of basically the I the sort of discordant cacophony or like eight it's not atonal, but like it made me think of the the piano solo bit in Aladdin Sane. Yeah, that bit. Oh my god, I could talk about that all day. Yeah, I just remember the first time I heard that, I was like, "What the?" Fuck? I know. I I think I we were we together at the time because yeah. I think you bought that CD, and then mm-hmm. friend of the podcast Will was driving us around, and we just like listened to it in his car, and we we're like, "What are these sounds?" Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was wild. Like, I was like, "Well, I guess they can't all be bangers." And yeah. <laughs> and and much has changed since then. Yeah. Uh, I oh. What a weird world. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say you're right that the the instrumental break shares some some ideas of that. Yeah, not really. I just it's just something I've also been thinking about, and it made me okay. think of it more. So yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah so. and then oh, at the very end of the song, you can hear like the motor turning off and slowing down. Right. And it kind yeah. of goes, doo, 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 like hmm. Yeah, and the 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 saxophone's really going off here. Yeah, it was. It's a good like gritty saxophone. Yeah. 
with that, we're going to move into the year 2011, where we get to talk about GoLab. I know there's an answer. Lab. Um, so this is like a synth guy. It's a yeah. His name is Joel Roberts, and he's a man who likes to make music with synth- synthesizers and drum machines and crooning vocal lines. So right on, man. Croon he's from Toledo, Ohio. Uh, sorry, I'm fine. In, in 2011, he did an entire cover album of Pet Sounds called Pet Zounds. Pet Zounds. Is it Zounds or is it Zunes? I mean, here's what I can tell you about how words work, Alex. If it was Zunes, it would be there'd be no U, it'd be two O's. I know, but I one time heard that like Z O U N D S is short for God's wounds. So I was like, so is it Zunes? Because God's wounds, Maybe. Zunes, God's wounds, pets and wounds. You know, I mean, writing in English is so fucked. That's true. It could be anything. I do know this? <laughs> could be pronounced fish. I thought it was supposed to be like, you know, when like old time people say Zounds. Yes. Do they? I've never heard it said out loud is the thing for me. I, I I've only seen it, it in said books. out loud, but okay. maybe by by fake sources. I well, don't maybe. know. It could be. Anyway, uh, I, I was always curious about that anyway. Um, yeah, this is GoLab. So it's like it's very close to the original. Um, yeah, it but seems it's replacing to be an effort in just reconstructing it. Keyboards. Um, yeah. The main like piano sound is very, sounds very much like a clav clevinet to me right that yeah, kind it's... of harsh yeah yeah very uh like a harsh electric piano mm-hmm. um but there's also maybe some organ there and like the bass harmonica kind of sounds like a tuba so all the parts i think are all synthesizers but they definitely seem to have like a an instrument sound like a like a acoustic instrument quality to them of like mm-hmm. they're they're trying to emulate those sounds for the most part right yeah it's and that's the that's why this version i really don't have a lot of notes on it's he sought out to emulate the the pet sounds the original song the right. original album yeah and it just kind of sounds like a cheaper version of that yeah because it's the like synth version of of everything yeah whereas before he had like like a big band like or yeah whatever. imagine if you it's it's the without the wall of sound concept this right. just is kind of boring yeah and even like the way he sings sounds beach boysy and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very similar to the original it made me think of brother tiger because that's another person like this we've talked about right like very focused on like solo production um yeah where but brother tiger definitely changed up a lot more and made it more his own mm-hmm. for the most part and we have a whole episode on that if you want to watch or no watch listen to our uh songs from the big chair episode that we we go into more depth yeah as i briefly take a moment to address the audience the hypo- Hello, audience. the hypothetical audience hello audience how Thank are you, you guys for listening. doing don't don't forget to hydrate yeah just checking in on you speaking of hydrating don't forget to hydrate alex and while you hydrate, I'm going to bring us into the next act, which is Les Limignanas. Les Limignanas. 20, I guess it's Les Limignanas 2012. 
They're French. Um, yes. They have a song that is the Russian doll theme. Yeah. Um, that song is called Migas 2000. I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch Russian Doll. Did you? I did. Phenomenal show. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, I can't keep up with Netflix, man. I know it's too much, but yeah. if it's if a the show is about time travel or time loops or anything that related, I'm like loaded up on the plate, baby. Oh, that's dip sounds, my dumb face in it. That's that's that sounds good. Maybe I'll have to check it out. You, I say I that would about recommend everything. it. I, everything sounds yeah. interesting, but I'm like, uh, I don't have the brain power for this. Again, you need to, you need to come to your own conclusion that you're going to watch it, right? I do. I can tell I you do. it's good. Yeah. I'm but too you busy. Go the process. I I watched the Dark Crystal. I came to the conclusion that I wanted to watch Muppets. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> anyway, this song. Um, mm-hmm. I believe this opens with a ukulele. Yes. Possibly even fa- two ukuleles. Mm-hmm. Because there's one that seems to be playing chords and one that seems to be just playing like notes. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. playing basically the chord progression on one, and then like the still the chord progression. But the like bass harmonica part. Yeah. Etc. Yes, Alex. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And then there's also, it's I like, believe, sorry. a Glock. Yeah, and, there does and, seem to be yeah. like a high, like ding. It might even be ding. ding. Does it actually change frequencies? Um, yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, what is this? Some kind of like triangle. Just, can you play, if you play the triangle in different parts, does it play different frequencies? I don't know. Huh. I don't know much about the triangle. How could yeah. it? It's just one like piece of metal. I know, right? It's such like a, I mean, it's the butt of so many jokes. Yeah. As an instrument. It's like, you give the dumb kid the triangle and then he's like all stoked to just like, and he's like waiting. And then right at the end of the song goes, ding. And then it ends. Ding. And like. Ah, comedy. Um, but yeah, it seems to be something like that, or like maybe a toy piano. Like it's very high pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to be something like that. Uh, and then so they go pretty crazy on the bass and the drums. Yeah. Like suddenly they go into the lyrics and goes, like drums come in and boom, 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 like bass man. Rhythm section suddenly just snaps Rhythm. into place uh although yeah. quick question the bass is, is very groovy on this yeah, yeah. Quick question Alex. yeah is your uh is the youtube video fucked for you yeah when it hits 47 seconds it has a panic attack yeah okay i don't i don't know what that means but it's fucked for me possibly in a slightly different way um i believe it must be 47 seconds in but like the the time yeah it is the time on the bottom only goes to 47 seconds then the bar is full and you can't control the song anymore yeah, unless you want to listen to the first 47 seconds. But whenever yeah. it hits that 47 second mark for me, it stops and it's like, Duh, but the video's over, but there's another minute and a half left. I'm like, yeah, idiot, play the rest of the song. I never had to like hit play again or anything, but yeah. No, so- I just had to wait for it to load. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, so it's it's two and a half minutes long, but for some reason the YouTube video's fucked. Um, yeah, fucking weird. Anyway. So, but yeah, they do a very uh, with the, with the bass guitar and uh, that comes in with some groove. The tom action on the drums is also very like it's very lively. And then you come to the the chorus and they come in with this 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 synth that's very bright and it's yeah yeah. There's like there's like this whistly I called it a whistly synth, 
and also mm-hmm. like this low, buzzy, distorted guitar. And then they isolate their heads. Mm, yes. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. The vocals are very accented. Is my point. Like yes, uh, the very they're very French. Much a French they, accent. They sound like they have French accent. Now, do you think it's a female singer or is it a dude up pitched? Um, I thought it was. I mean, there seem to be two members. One is female. Uh, I assume she was singing, but I didn't really. Yeah, it's about definitely it. a female. That was a trick question, Alex. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad I, I passed. I guess glad you didn't get tricked by that. Glad one. I didn't notice it was a trick. Answer the question straight, and everything turned out fine. That's right, baby. Um, there's a theremin is in this, isn't there? There seems to be a theremin. Yeah, it comes in near the end. Doing its thing. I can't skip to the end. Yeah, it's this is difficult to to find points so, like that. It's nice to listen to the songs in the background in my in my cans, as we call yeah, them. Yeah, honestly, the for this one starting off with ukulele, I was pre- pleasantly surprised that I yeah, enjoyed it. That it changed so much and was like mm-hmm. pretty actually like driving and entertaining. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, unfortunately, the video's fucked. Uh, yeah. Oh, the other thing they do is at the end they do the. Um, did no hang on. Did they do both? No, there's a version that does both lyrics. Is there? Yeah, is it the next one featuring Lydia Liza and the Cool Moon? I sure hope so. Should we talk about that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about why, why, why Lydia Liza and the Cool Moon in Why, why, why is a man by the name of Austin Carson, who's a Minnesotan musician slash producer, who decided to create a Pet Sounds cover album, which a bunch of local Minnesota acts, one of which is Lydia Liza, whose fucking Facebook profile description was so fucking self-serving and annoying that I just said, okay, fine, she sings. Shit, did I? Did I read it? I see why, 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 Lydia Liza. Yeah, I got it. What's her Facebook description? Um, I didn't look at it. Let's see. She's like, oh, it's so incredible that someone... Got a starting uh, um, group, Bombardier, uh, Twin Cities Musicians. Wow, it's very long. Extensive notoriety. Uh, received a four-year full-ride scholarship for songwriting at McNally Smith College of Music. Currently into a few outfits. Um, also, apparently, she's kind of known for rewriting Baby It's Cold Outside with consent. Yeah, here, so let me let me give you this. Not a lot of artists can wear the teenage mu- musical prodigy hat and go on to find success as an adult. And not a lot of artists can write a smash novelty holiday song and go on to transcend the viral sensation label. But with her first solo effort of Unsound Mind, Lydia Liza echoes Nick Drake, Jeff, Jeff Buckley, and Laura Marling with ease. Fuck off, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... Yeah. It's hard to be so great and also overcome your own greatness to be even greater. But uh, I sound like a lot of great people, so, so uh, what's up? Pretty great. Um, cool Moon. Are they a super sweet rock band from Houston, Texas? I guess. Because that's the only Cool Moon I could find, but I couldn't find a lot of info on them. Yeah, and since the article I read about this album said it was all supposed to be Minnesota acts, I don't Oh, I maybe don't know. it's not, then. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, again, I don't know how, how uh, rigorous 
why, why, why Austin Carson was in, in assembling musicians. Maybe he's like, hey, Lady Eliza, do this thing. And she's like, got it, but I can bring my friends maybe. And he's like, whatever. Yeah, she's like, I need the cool moon. Um, yeah, so... So Lydia Liza puts in what can only be described as the worst singing performance I've ever heard on this song. Oh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Okay, Because yeah. this is the fucking Christmas version of the song. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's just, like, chimes doing, like, dong. And it sounds like a Christmas song at the start. Like, it sounds... Yeah. I wasn't expecting... Like, we did Christmas-ish, like, wintry stuff last week. I didn't mm. think we were going to get back to Christmas songs until later in the month, but here we are. Um, we are, baby. But she also did Baby It's Cold Outside, a version. So maybe that's... That's right. But she's not producing, so it doesn't matter. So maybe so maybe she didn't transcend her fucking holiday novelty hit, actually. Yeah. But Maybe you spoke too soon, Lydia Liza. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, it's got like these doo-doo-doo, like Christmas bells or chimes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this could easily, with the opening, it could go, I don't want a lot for Christmas. Yeah, it like just... sounds like that, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, what else do we got in the production? Let's see. There's a lot of, like, filter looping. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so, like, yeah, they're like, so just, like, having a filter envelope and then just hitting the loop button well i have a loop button i don't know what other ones do but and then when we hit the the main like piano riff it becomes this like trot pop synth line yeah because there's like steel drums in this yeah so this is very interesting uh also there's there's two voices singing so so lydia liza singing and i guess guy either cool moon or guy from cool moon is singing as well or possibly austin carson Oh, I didn't see that. He's why why why. Oh, he's why why why. I don't know if he sings, but it might be why it might be Austin Carson. But yeah, I wasn't super into her vocals either. So I now she we're at biffs there. it on the first line. She it's very like what's the word what's the vocal whatevering? That's how you describe it, right? Yes. It's very like uh-huh. <laughs> And then she like her voice cracks. Um, She's like, I know so many people. And then and then Austin was like, Yo, you want to try that again? She's like, No. She's like, I no, meant to I'm do a, that. And I'm like, All right. I'm a teenage musical prodigy. Uh, sorry, Lydia. We're just talking shit. Uh, oh, fuck you, Lydia. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Enemy of the podcast <laughs> number two. It's fucking. Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> and Lydia Liza. That's Wait, right. Can can we put Aqualung on there too? Yeah. And Aqualung. Three enemies of the podcast. Three enemies. All right. I'm glad. And only one of them will ever allow as a guest, and that is Jerry Seinfeld. That is absolutely Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> um. So in terms of their singing, they do their back and forth thing. There's a lot of like alternating lines, and then they'll sing a line together. Pretty standard. Yeah. It's the rest of the song that's wild because it kind of goes between Christmas chimes and then like summery trap pop like steel drum sound. So there's yeah. it's it's bizarre in that it like I between the verses and the chorus it just like jumps back and forth between those two things. It's very like dissociating almost. And maybe that's mm-hmm. the point. Maybe that's what this is about. Because it's like summer, winter, summer, winter, like winter. 
And then on the the verses, you sometimes get like this backup singers doing some kind of funky shit. With a bit like, oh, oh yeah, funky. And then it's, but it's <laughs> so quiet. Like you can hear it at 25. I'm going to listen for it because I didn't hear it. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's like gospel. Yeah, and they do it again on the next verse. No, wait. And it's, it's... Is gospel the right word here? I'm going to say R&B instead of gospel. Yeah. That yeah, makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> and it's, but they do it both times, and it's so quietly mixed and not confidently done. So it just, again, sounds like shit. I just thought this version was, like, bizarre and jarring. Yeah, and I don't know why they chose Hang On To Your Ego and decided to do the softest delivery of that line. Yeah, it's, uh... It's an odd version. It was a series of accidents. <laughs> As are they all. As are they all. With that, we're going to go into our final verdict. Uh, we got three categories today. Best version, worst version, and Christmas in July and December version. <laughs> Christmas in July and December version. Oh, I have an answer for that. All right, Alex, uh, we're going to start with you. Uh, worst version of this and What's why. What's the worst version of this? Do you need time to think about this? Because I can just, I can shoot. Uh, no, I'm going to give it to GoLab, actually. That one was the lead. Like, I thought a lot of them, even though they didn't necessarily switch it up a lot, really, like, made it their own. Mm-hmm. And and they felt distinct, the different versions. But GoLab didn't have that. And GoLab is the worst version for that reason. True. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Uh, it, it was his was yeah. It lacked identity, which all of these other versions have. But why, why, why? Lydia Liza and the Cool Moon can get fucked. That version <laughs> is a train wreck from start to finish. Uh, best version though. Yeah, hit me with it, Alex. Mm, I think I gotta give it to Duke Special. I really liked the sounds he made in this song, and so mm-hmm. um, yeah. And some of the decisions he made, particularly with the solo, uh, with the like, I don't know if it's, I don't know what the word term is for it, but we kind of called it counterpoint, um, which I don't think it is technically, but the like two instruments sort of just doing their own thing, um, which is also, and I didn't talk about this much, but like the song is kind of about dissociating. So when you have that sort of like weird pulling you in multiple directions feeling, uh, that fits the, the theme, I think. Mm-hmm. Although I did say why, why, why had that same thing, right? Um, which I think still but think I, it I does. I think Duke Specials was pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I probably dug, I dug Duke Specials. I like Duke Specials version. For me, though, it's gotta be. I think it's Frank Black. I think he takes a very, uh, you know, a sort of laid back song, a peaceful one, and puts a a good hard edge on it that takes the original lyrics. And and makes the sort of vitriol in those come to life, that sort of punky anger. Right. Yeah, and it fits punk, I think, or, or, or a certain type of punk attitude of, like, that idea of, like, the poser. Yeah. And then, interestingly enough, he keeps the line about, you know, him being guilty, too. Right. Which and, is always nice to hear. Yeah, so it's, it's a good song about flawed human beings done in a, a, a genre that I think amplifies that and i think it's a good arrangement the arpeggiator works the uh the guitar chords that he he lets ring at the start there like it's it's just good like i i used to blast this 
on repeat when I first heard it. I was like, this is a good song by Frank Black and not the Beach Boys. Not anybody else. (laughs) Not anybody else. Moving on. Alex, Christmas in July and December. Oh, it's got to be YYY Lady Eliza plus Cool Moon because it it is Christmas, it is December, but it is also July because... It is Trop Pop, it is Christmas Chimes, it is all over the place, and it is all those things. <laughs> That's fair and probably the right answer. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Les Limignanas. So they got a ukulele in there. That's summer. That's they July, baby. Right. Uh, they got, theirs is just groovy, you know? It's, it's, it's got a little something for everyone. Yeah, I really wish I could have done a little bit more in-depth listen. Maybe there's another, I didn't really look for another YouTube video. I yeah, I, I might try and look for that. It, but, like, one that's not fucked would be nice, and being able to just be like, oh, what did I just hear there? And not being able to back it up two seconds is, like, so annoying. Yeah, it's devastating. <laughs> So that's been our final verdict. Uh, if you guys have a similar opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, uh, hit us up on Twitter at hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, that's J-A-K-E-T-H-E-C-R-E-S-S-Y, or at SomeAlexWiseGuy, that's S-O-M-E-A-L-E-X-W-I-S-E-G-U-Y. And or you can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns at covermepod at gmail.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-M-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Um, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, yeah, Google Podcasts. I know you can I think you can only review us on Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten a review since last year though. So if you guys want to be cool, review us. That'd be tight. We'd love it. Um now for a bonus segment, uh, the, a category which I have prepared in advance. Alex, if you could be any instrument for a day, what instrument would you be and why? Oh, man. What instrument? Do you have an answer for this? Uh, I literally just came up with this as I said okay. it. So. Well, I feel like uh, I wouldn't mind a, being a ukulele because it would be nice to know what it's like uh to have like like for women not to be able to keep their hands off of you like <laughs> um and i'm sure there's a blowing joke in here somewhere but not with the ukulele i'm gonna stick with that one i like that that's a good one i like i think that was great <laughs> i think you nailed that it's and now be, it'd be a good experience um man i would you know what straight up like a church organ like those big motherfuckers Just like with the you'd, pipes. Like, you'd be such an imposing presence. You'd, you'd yeah. have so much gravitas. Just and to be physical a, gravity. Yeah, just like a, a huge structure and like everybody <laughs> yeah. looking at you in awe. Like, and then some dude just comes up and tickles you and you go... <laughs> and you go... <laughs> <laughs> are you an instrument? Are you a building? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck are the you? The answer is... <laughs> 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 all right so that was our bonus segment if you uh, want to tell us what instrument you would be for a day hashtag instrument for a day wow what an easy hashtag yeah way to go team so hit us up we already told you yeah. how to do that yeah you know what to do as we always say on cover me uh i know so many people who think they can do it alone but no hang on let's try this again as we always say on cover me i know there's a podcast i know now But I have to tell you, it's cover me.